Hey everybody, it's Tom here with kind of a daily ratings PSA. So as you all know, for weeks and weeks, we ask you all to go to the donations tab and kindly send a donation our way. But for weeks and weeks, the site was broken. But then we found out about it, and we fixed it, or so we thought. We even said on the podcast, hey, the site's fixed now. You can go ahead and send us a donation. However, the site was still broken. But now, finally, I can say with relative certainty, and a pinky promise, that everything on the donation site is finally working properly. So we thank all of you who did try to donate, all you producers, and we do see you, and we will give you a shout-out on next episode as well. So we'll skip the donation segment for this episode, but as far as going forward, everything is finally working. But we thank you all for your patience, and now, enjoy the show. Hey folks and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing Sonic the Hedgehog and newly released Sonic the Hedgehog 2, directed by Jeff Fowler, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and newly released Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, all directed by David Yates. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. It's going well. How was your fantastical week of movies? <laughs> good, good tie. Thank like you. That. Yeah, uh, it was all right. You know, it was, it was all right. A little tough to get through. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting how much of a children's film Sonic was. Uh, I didn't really watch the original one when it came out in 2020. So you weren't really rep- were you preparing for a kids movie, but one that adults could enjoy too. Yeah, yeah, uh, and especially I mean I am a fan of the video games, so there was some enjoyment there. But this is I mean capital K kids movie with these. Uh, so that combined, not the biggest Harry Potter fan, but you know excited by the format with these, the fact that yeah. we were able to fit a five chunk, you know, with two new releases. Oh, for the podcast two, reasons, you're no, excited. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all, always for the podcast. <laughs> not, nothing for the you know. Yeah, we <laughs> we did this once before where we did like the two Space Jam's movies. Yep, and then we and did Suicide the, Squad. Right, the Suicide Squad just because of the new movies. So that <laughs> which has caused confusion among some <laughs> some of our, uh, you know uh, some of our personal listeners. If you want to donate and and uh, producers <laughs> want to write in, that's totally fine. But you know, we're just 
just doing things like this show. It's a little bit different where we're yeah. not ending with both new movies. Yeah. We decided to do, we're going to do the Sonics first. Yep. And then we're just going to do the Fantastic Beasts. You know, Absolutely. it's just a little bit different, but, uh, you know. <laughs> I like when I like when the homework for a series fits in within the five episode. Combines, oh, it's beautiful. You know, yeah. Yeah, and I think this is great for the, I think producers will enjoy this one. And honestly, I like the idea, like, I would want to sit down and listen to all the Fantastic Beasts. Sure. And we, we said, we, and we talked about it before. Yeah. Especially when, when it was coming out in the theater, we were just like, I think it's important that we get all these three. Yeah. Who yeah, wants absolutely. to sit here and, and hear your interpretation of film number three and we have nothing from you from one and two? Oh, absolutely. You know? And these are such sequels to each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There is there's homework needed. So, so I, thought, I thought it worked out really well. Mm-hmm. But okay, so we're going to start with just that the, kind of the two film franchise here. We're going to go back to 2020. This is Sonic the Hedgehog. And uh, I mean, what do we have with this kid's movie? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this kid's movie. <laughs> How are you going to crucify this kid's movie? Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, this movie is Sega's first attempt into Hollywood, uh, and no doubt created pressure for others to follow, uh, and soon to follow. We see, of course, the announcement in 2020 or 2021 of the Mario movie as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, so I course. think Sega has kind of unleashed the floodgates by trying to produce such a high-end IP like Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, this is this is big mainline Sega. Yeah, yeah. That they have. The biggest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> really. it really is. Sonic is the blue blur. Uh, he is the rad hedgehog that way, goes way too fast and in this movie is given an origin story for him landing on Earth. He meets up with James Marsden, who I will forever refer to as Cop Friend. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and and he will always, maybe maybe for his entire career, be referred to as Cop Friend now on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> and of course, we have a tussle with Dr. Robotnik, Dr. Eggman himself, played by Jim Carrey. No other than Jim Carrey yeah. in this. Uh, overall, I think this movie works fine. I never saw a need for a Sonic movie, but maybe that's why I'm not a studio exec. <laughs> I did not see the potential money that would be made off of this. And I'll no be honest. Two films. I, I was almost a little bit surprised that it took this long. Mm. I mean, you see just the absolute draining of the Marvel, and I don't know. I guess you would categorize this as superhero. Maybe it, it's very weird. It's isn't it's a weird subgenre, but it's basically. Yeah. The past 20 years have been one with the superheroes, but it's just been big titles. Let's get mm. the big titles. And for Sonic, I mean, it's huge. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's a huge name that hasn't really been on screen before. So mm. I kind of was waiting for I'm surprised it took this long. Yeah, I, I guess that's a good point. And I, and like I said, I think the floodgates are going to open. I mean, if, if we define the 2010s as superhero, uh, the 2020s have a very high potential for it to be video game dominated. Yeah, I mean, and superhero. We, we already <laughs> talked about, you know, Uncharted and already on the podcast and whatnot. So I, I do think right. things are, we are, we are at the, we're at the cliff uh, of it. Uh, this movie uh, does little to get a recommendation from me uh i thought it was a little bit pulling teeth for 90 minutes but like i said this is very much capital k kids movie i'll go into a little bit more in just a bit uh as far as Sonic being portrayed here, we have the burden of an origin story, which, of course, last week was the focus <laughs> with all the <laughs> superhero time. movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And maybe you bring up a good point, Tom, because maybe they're, the misunderstanding here is that we need to kind of have a similar structure to superhero movies for 
a kid's palate today to watch this movie you know They're yeah because this is kids kids yeah exactly like this isn't like we're pg territory now not <laughs> yeah. not pg-13 yeah i just think again it's just a big title so why not yeah. i mean we're redoing big titles that we already did and like you know well, what I, I mean that's a fair point i i, I would rather something original so over, it's like okay you know, let's do the yeah. mario again okay yep. sonic sure why sure. not right you right. know let's i'm yeah. surprised we don't have a donkey kong one or something oh you yeah, know soon enough yeah. soon enough i i think well well i think isn't seth rogan playing donkey kong in the <laughs> in the Mario movie, the Chris Pratt Mario movie, <laughs> so. I have no idea. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Sonic in this is, I think, strategically portrayed as a kid, though. In this, uh, because he, his life on Earth, he really lives a kid fantasy. These are very Home Alone vibes. Uh, he likes comic. He likes junk food. He uh, does the flossing dance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to say that on re- on a recorded podcast. Fantastic. <laughs> but it, he's strategically portrayed as a kid, and him with Cop Friend kind of serves as a buddy movie, but also kind of a, a parental movie as well, which I think is, is interesting. Um, I, I don't think it's amazing, but it is something that I think is an important follow-through and understanding the demographics here and ultimately the parents that are going to see it uh, with their kids. So... Sonic features high-speed sequences where slow motion is used to depict his speed. Of course, the blue blur is 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 faster than a bolt of lightning. So uh, these these sequences are are really meant to be the highlight of this film. Thankfully, the sequel has more to go off of uh, and and more creative setup to 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 use for Sonic, but unfortunately for this first one, it really just boils down to the Quicksilver scenes in the newest X-Men films, or I shouldn't say new, I mean, they're not new anymore, <laughs> but uh, the, the the most recent X-Men iterations um, where Quicksilver is moving so fast it stops time around him. Mm, okay. this, is, this gimmick is ripped off directly, and I would say overall a little bit less impactful for how much the visuals are just 100% CGI, you know? Yeah, of course. Uh, so there's 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 when 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 Sonic is interacting with slow motion or, or or telling a joke or cracking a joke with this, it comes off not as like wow, you know, this is great to look at, like it did in those Quicksilver scenes, and and overall is a little bit of an imitator. Let's talk about the comedy. Of course, Sonic is the wisecracking, uh, you know, kind of anti uh, anti mascot to to Mario at the time in the '90s. So they need to make him a rad dude. Part of my critique is the comedy in this. Uh, I would say it's just far too pop culture centered. Uh, Sonic is supposed to be attitude he's not yeah, supposed he's... to be deadpool you know what i mean it comes off like deadpool like, like he's kid, making like kid deadpool kid deadpool actually that's a great man but you I should have <laughs> ran this from my notes <laughs> kid but, deadpool is perfect so how do you make the distinction because sonic is supposed to be kind of like even in the games he could mm-hmm. be like he's supposed to be kind wise of cracking. like yeah wisecracking mm-hmm. fresh mouth kind of but like this uh, trying to yeah a cool kid he's like yeah, too cool absolutely. for school a little bit but he is a kid but it almost seems like that would make sense, Kid Deadpool, or there's like there's an imbalance still I of think comedy. Like it's just so pop culture referential. He's constantly jokes are constantly boiled down to you know this movie or you remember when this movie it's like this mm, and it's, yeah, that's it's, no good. Yeah, and and that's also not Sonic. I mean, I'm not trying to fall on the sword over no for sure. No. A video game depiction of of you know a children's no, movie. it's not Sonic at all. But it, it's not yeah, timeless either. Exactly. It, it, where I I feel this relates to is it is all 
already dated jokes watching this from a 2020 yeah you don't Uh, want that yeah it it already feels dated in its jokes and maybe the hey that's just the nature of these kids movies they're cranked out for the year and i mean is a kid really going to return to it you know it's like a huge sega franchise that's supposed to be lasting you know yeah uh again luckily the sequel doesn't fall into this much of a trap Granted, the comedy is related to Sonic's isolation on Earth. He is absorbing the culture through the things he kind of steals and collects, you okay. know, trash and whatnot. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a reason in that he's making pop culture references, but it just comes off very dated already. Again, a 2020 movie already dated, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is pretty critical. And I just don't think the comedy works. Is a kid really going to understand all the movie references being made? I don't think that's even good comedy for them. It's so. supposed to be there for the adults probably and it's it's and it fails for the i'm telling you <laughs> was, like i said pulling teeth for 90 yeah um ben schwartz uh largely doesn't work as sonic uh in his voice uh i i like him in a lot of comedic performances uh he's very funny in parks and rec this comes off just a bit too annoying uh and mix that with the callbacks it's just like all right all right and uh, for me i just really wasn't enjoying sonic on screen in this film okay uh jim carrey mainly works because the Comic comedy is really his own manic energy. Um, it's definitely a little cringy. It's definitely still a little shackled in this movie. We see it kind of unfold a lot better in the next film. Is uh, it like is it Jokerish? Where he, I mean, not Jokerish. Um, the Riddler. Oh uh, no! I wish. Like where he's just like insane. Maybe the sequel. Yes, we're getting okay. Into, okay. <laughs> into Riddler territory <laughs> for more reasons than you even know. So, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's. I don't know. He's he's shackled by again this kind of Earth plot. He's supposed to be and not a normal guy. Right. But, right. You know, he's still a little shackled. He's not fully mustache twirling Dr. Eggman. Okay, gotcha. And yeah, I I think uh, it's good overall. I would say Jim Carrey is what's there for the adults. You know what I mean? Especially the casting uh, of this. Yeah, well, there's not much else there. Yeah, exactly. So Did you find yourself... So James Marston plays Tom, who is the buddy cop. cop, Right. (laughs) Were you sitting there and being like, oh, well, this is just Tails? Uh... Did it have no, those vibes or no? Like no, totally its all. own character. Yeah, okay. totally its own character, and definitely in the second one when Tails is introduced. Right, we have Tails uh, coming. Right. Yeah, it, it is a his it's his, it's his own thing, and again, it's not terrible. But it's it's also kind of why can't we just get a Sonic movie about Sonic properties? You know what I mean? Or oh, Sonic aspects? There's enough. There. Yeah, there's enough yeah, there. Why do we need this buddy cop kind of formula yeah. to it? So, I I would say again the overabundance of an origin story. I mean, if we are going to pull a mainline IP like Sonic out of the out of the closet <laughs> and put him in front of the screen, I mean, is there no goodwill that comes with that that people can kind of just pun intended have a running start with right. Sonic? <laughs> right, <laughs> you right. know? Can we not just hit the ground running and and just have Sonic in his own world and uh, Eggman could be cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, luckily, the sequel sheds a lot of this origin story baggage. Not entirely, right. but because it is, you know, it is just a very generic movie. But 
it, it, it sheds a lot of that. I don't care about Cop Friend. I don't care about, yeah. you know, Sonic's yeah. loneliness. You know, put me in the fantastical world that he comes from that is teased in the beginning as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, I just I was just surprised by, you know, I mean, that we couldn't just have a Sonic movie for Sonic uh, just with how defined the character is and how much people know it. Uh, I'm hoping we don't see the same with the Mario movie. I'm hoping the Mario movie can at least, you know, kind of... Has some, breathe some new life and some interesting and... Yeah. and- uh, let's be, you know, Mario let's movie. Be Make it a Mar- Mario. Yes, yes. Let's not, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I don't think it's too much to ask, but. <laughs> yeah, as far as, you know, talking about this, this multi million dollar concept, you could be saying, well, well where are you kind of coming, coming actually critiquing and, and, and negative with this? And I would say, it is money specifically, Tom. Uh, <laughs> do I have some news for you? There is some egregious placement of Uh-oh. ads in this film. Oh, Downright no. vile ad <laughs> placement. There is a full-blown <laughs> Zillow ad in this uh, that they go and they navigate the homepage on Zillow for a little oh, bit really? and point out features. Hey, yeah, 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 Real hey. bad. By far the worst, though, is an entirely separate Olive Garden ad placement no, that comes not. up three times. Characters say, characters say, <laughs> when you're there, you're family. <laughs> <laughs> you are kidding me. Uh, three times. It is unreal. I I, I paused the movie immediately <laughs> and started taking notes. <laughs> it's just like, this is no, no. And then it comes up two other times. It is yikes, vile. Yeah, that's bad. Placement. That's no one wants that. No one wants ads mm-hmm. shoved down their throats. And it's so yeah, yeah. it's so manipulative too to pack it in a kids movie. I think there's something yes. honestly gross about that. <laughs> um, it, it's just it's a it's an absolute cardinal sin for me, uh, and I I just it is unacceptable, disgusting. <laughs> uh, like I said, I think this movie works perfectly fine in the end product. Uh, I think the horrific ad placement knocks it down a notch for me and i think the comedy is a little bit of a miss with the already dated jokes on the pop culture callbacks we're gonna go ahead and give sonic the hedgehog a 40 Ooh, 40 okay yeah i can't say very surprised by it it's kind of a shame because i don't know sonic's such a fun character oh for and, sure. i mean the game's relatively you know and the cage is eight i remember playing the game still as a kid yeah but they're, they're definitely aging, but it's still, a, it's timeless. You know, people even have, even if you're not a video game guy or, or, or mm-hmm. you know, or are younger, you know younger than us, people know Sonic. Yeah. And it would have been nice to have a little bit more care taking it care, you know, take care taken into this intellectual property. Oh, for sure. You know? Especially if, I mean, well, clearly this movie is a success to get a sequel and what... what, It was a success enough. Yeah. 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 Uh, It made enough millions for sure. It made its money back. Yeah. So I think Sega's feeling fine about this, but uh, this first iteration is just... There's just a little bit too much baggage with it for yeah. me to recommend it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Forty is uh, upsetting, but not surprising. Right, right. So let's move on here. So that was 2020. That was 2020. So now already 2022. Like mm-hmm. the turnaround was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Sonic the Hedgehog two, and what do we have here? Now that our our most of our characters are established, mm-hmm. does the story get better from here? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it loses a lot of that baggage. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is the same director here, same writing team, yep. same cast, and now we have Idris Ilba as Knuckles in this, which is which one is of... cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's... Uh, it's, it's a lot of fish-out-of-water jokes. 
He doesn't understand the culture, uh, but uh, it, it's 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 still good. Uh, and honestly, didn't touch on it on the previous uh, entry, but I will say a positive note for both of these is the CGI quality. I mean, if you think about mm. back to when this film was first coming out, there was a terrible internet backlash on the first design of Sonic, if you remember. he had Oh, a, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you didn't know about this, no. the, his eyes looked different. He looked like uh, He looked like the kid from Jumanji when he turns into a monkey uh yeah it looked really really bad and so much so that they went back and redesigned all the cgi which is what you can do when you have an entirely cgi character (laughs) yeah you know a committee mentality or or twitter twitter mentality yeah uh but nonetheless uh this is a much better movie thankfully uh as the film has grown into its own style instead of the buddy cop kid fantasy that we have we have a proper fantasy adventure as the theme for sonic to embark on part of this reversal is in performances i think jim carrey is an even bigger role and matches the chaotic energy of dr eggman so much better there is just so much ham here uh, down to his (laughs) accumulation of power It, it works so much better on screen you can see that he's unshackled and trying to be as weird as possible and that's kind of what you want Absolutely, it's what you want. Doctor crazy... Eggman is a cartoon villain. He literally mustache twirling. Yeah, he's know? like he, he's a crazy. Yeah, he's yeah. a crazy villain. Like like actual <laughs> mustache twirling yeah, villain. Exactly. And then it's it's interesting with the movie though because we're picking up another good guy character. Mm-hmm. So it's almost just like it would have been nice maybe to drop Buddy Cop. Yeah, yeah. And then you're also picking up another villain. Yep. Exactly. Um, so. And and but it all played well together. Like it did. Knuckles and and Doctor Robotnik, and then you had Tails along with Buddy Cop and, and Sonic. Exactly. It was all... Yeah. There, there's a lot more time put into Tails and Sonic bonding, and we see more and more cop friend transition into instead of being a friend. If anything, it's actually a theme in this movie. He he transitions into much more of a parental type of view uh, of, of Sonic, fine. which is that's what you should. I, that's I what it should be. Almost semi decent writing. And that, okay. to be fair, that was present in the first one as well. I was a little bit too distracted by the Olive Garden, though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just I want to praise Jim Carrey here uh, because I mean, you could look at this and say, oh, oh my God, he's really hamming it up. Uh, <laughs> this is the role to ham with. Oh, you know? good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. Uh, so I think there is a, a follow through and legitimately entertaining uh, on screen. Uh, he really is great. I think overall as well, the comedy writing is better. Um, I think a lot more creative setup is used in this movie that we aren't tied to an origin story. While it's not all gone, the pop culture references and the pop, pop culture comedy is very much toned back, Good. which is big. It's going to be more time, uh, not timeless then. Yeah, and, and you know, you said it perfectly. You know, it, it, As far as time, I mean... Is it really so important to call a kid's movie timeless? I don't know. But, I mean, there's a difference I mean, when you compare this movie to anything Pixar, anything Disney, you know what I mean? Like old Disney, even. Yeah. Like, going back in the old Disney stuff. There exactly. is something. It, it, yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing you hated about the new Space Jam was mm-hmm. just the constant. They were kept on being like, have you seen this character? Have you seen this character? <laughs> yeah. Just like, there's this also. It's the, the Easter egg hunt. Yeah. And it's the pointing out of things that's just like. Keep me in this world. Yes. If, if you're setting up Sonic and giving me this world, I, I don't need the extra. I don't. Sonic's need... cool enough too. Yeah, you don't need that extra. Like, what are you doing? I don't mm-hmm. want to watch a 2020 movie and it already be dated. Oh yeah, especially for a kids' film. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I wish I actually wrote down some of those jokes because I mean, right. you, could, you could tell how dated they were. You know? <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, this film does kind of fall into the same pitfalls as the previous film. Uh, soundtrack, which I didn't really mention on the previous one, but is a great example of the kind of soulless corporateness behind this. Generic. The money maker Generic behind vanilla, this. yeah. Yeah, songs sometimes don't even play for 15 seconds, uh, which is kind of makes me wonder if they were trying to like get it in free or something like that you know some sort of some sort of licensing tactic but... is there a, was there a main score for the movie or was it all yes. just like hit song no no there is a score okay yeah. did uh, it play off like were you getting any cool old school sega vibes no definitely no chip tune no 8-bit kind of uh, uh, in the composition uh, of the score which like is that would be interesting well, yeah it doesn't yeah. have to be in the score but just in the movie something that would like literally be a, a type of a portal back to when people were sitting down sure, and playing the game and absolutely. stuff you know or, or very notable sonic in the early 2000s has a very distinct music style through a, a yes. band called crush 40 it, that that is like that is very iconic just as iconic as that chip tune style to the music it's a shame uh, that they just one generic cookie cutter yeah exactly yeah so and again my critique here is not a matter of preference or taste is that it comes off corporate very specifically yeah okay so and i'll tell you what else is corporate <laughs> a goddamn four seasons ad are you serious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have a tropical resort that they go to and wow do they do i just know everything about the four seasons on this tropical <laughs> resort maybe like short of the taxi i end of the of the legal entity <laughs> you know what i mean I, I i know everything about it and still the, the we are haunted by the ghost of of olive garden <laughs> past uh, as it's brought up again the olive garden one to be fair maybe it was almost like a weird self-referential type of dig at that olive garden but it's it's again two times it's in the it's in the movie (laughs) like it's why are we talking about olive garden three times yeah you said three times well three times in the first one two times this one (laughs) oh wait even olive garden again yes olive garden again it wasn't just the four seasons so it's a four seasons commercial and an olive garden dumped zillow for four seasons for obviously for the the resort shoot you know and they brought up olive garden another two (laughs) times what is the deal? I, I inside I, joke at that point. I don't know. I know. Well, I I think what it really is, unfortunately, is that it's it's them looking the studio at well, what will the family want to do with their kids it's after the destinations? Movie. I think they dropped Zillow because kids aren't buying apartments. <laughs> uh, it's vacation. It's Olive Garden. It's it's let's go to eat after it, or you know, what I mean, There's, when you're here, your family. I <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> I wonder if avocado sales went up after the showing of these movies. I would like a, a, a geographic map of every Olive Garden <laughs> proximity to a theater and That's then good. track there. <laughs> yeah. But very strange. But okay. I, yeah. I, I would assume Soulless. By, uh, it, is it, it is. funny in the second one then? Because you're revisiting it. The Olive Garden like... one was a little bit funny. <laughs> oh, boy. It is. It is. But it, uh, the ad placement is there. The money-making principle that right, this, is right. a, this is a vehicle. Uh, it's kind of gross. Money. It's got an ickiness it to it. Yeah. 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 So slightly better than the first one, but also I was at least in a little bit of a um, uh, uh, more of an appreciation for the unique aspects of this film. Because again, we're not dealing with like Montana as the setting. We're dealing with true action adventure, ruins, you know, mountaintops, you know, right, a, a, right. a lot, a lot more interesting stuff. Uh, uh, one critique. That may sound a little bit stupid, but no joke is important. Sonic does not run enough in this film. Um, huh. it, it, it's, I mean, it's kind of like a no-duh. It is like a no-brainer, yeah. yeah. 
But uh, yeah, he's always in in cars and driving cars and passenger in cars. At least in the first film, the lack of running that was done to maybe create some bonding with him and Cop Friend was a little bit of a plot point. But man, it's just like, why is Sonic ever in a car when he can go so fast he stops time? Like, yeah, it, it and just, Tails is fast too. It's yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they're all fast. You know, it's uh, fast animals. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I I. I it may sound a little petty. It may sound a little nitpicky, especially for a a kid's film. But honestly, it's kind of true though. A it's kid's like, gonna want to watch Sonic Run. Yeah, you know what I mean, why is he in a car? <laughs> uh, but like I said, overall, this 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 film works like the previous. I would say this very much should have just been Sonic One. Um, there is very little origin story baggage. Good. that is left in this film. There are the few callbacks to the previous film that set up jokes, especially around Eggman's henchmen. Honestly, we could have probably just worked into a more condensed act one of the first film, like mm-hmm. really like knives out, cut the first film down. That is act one of this film. I think it would have worked fine, honestly. Uh, just flat out better as a action adventure movie. And I think a, a product of that is a better product for, or, or a result of that is a better product for kids. I mean, I'm, I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm not losing the understanding that the, the intended demographic is, is, is little boys and little girls, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think this, this more exciting approach to the action adventure is, is, is much more better suited. Sonic's, uh, Speed is now shown in mountaintops and crumbling ruins, and it's just so much more better than having his speed be a punchline to talk about the Flash or something like that. You know oh, what I yeah, mean? you don't want that. Those are the follow-throughs we're talking about. Good. I mean, know? that's a good improvement then. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus, uh, you know, on the shoulders of giants, or should I say on the shoulders of a very corporate, <laughs> soulless first iteration of this movie, but I would say either way, my recommendation here is not to waste time on the first film and jump directly to the sequel, especially if you have even an ounce of knowledge of what Sonic is. We're going to go ahead and give Sonic the Hedgehog 2 a 59. All right, 59. That's a good improvement. Yeah, it's a 19% improvement. We're talking about a 19 point jump. Yeah. Yeah, 19 is pretty good, especially because oftentimes the second movie is so much more worse. Mm, Uh, Okay, 59. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one to sit down with the kids or mm-hmm. to put on for the kids and you mm-hmm. can go and do something Absolutely. in the house or something, you know. That's Absolutely. 59. That's 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 okay. Still holds a lot of the kid <laughs> fantasy that Sonic has. He has a he has a like a, a little party and whatnot, which I think is important. And, and you an know, adult, it has a home of loam vibe. Yeah, yeah. Too. I think an adult 59 is great because the kids are going to love it more than that. Oh, for sure. And then you can get through it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you it's know? not pulling teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, very good. Okay. 59 for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That's a nice little nugget. That's a nice improvement. <laughs> good. I'm glad. Um, but okay, so that's it for the Sonics. And apparently there is Sonic 3. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 Already? has announced or something like that. Wow. Somewhat in the works. Yeah. So that show, that that's proof of, of the moneymaker aspect right yeah, there. Yeah, I guess they got it. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Um, okay, so we're done with that franchise. We're going to move on now to much bigger franchise, Fantastic Beasts. Uh, we're going to take it back to 2016. This is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. What did we have with this first Im- implementation of, you know, a further expansion into the Harry Potter, Harry Potter world? Yeah, yes. yeah. And, and that's a great way to introduce it because it, this is really expanded universe for Harry Potter. 
a lot of these characters, a lot of these events are either noted in the books or in the movies in passing, right, yeah. or we see obviously certain characters much older. Um, David Yates is the longtime director of this franchise since I believe Order of the Phoenix. Basically, for non Harry Potter fans, when it started getting darker, uh, that that is uh, largely responsible uh, because of David Yates' directing, and that's great to have that commitment that sure. he that he was given the reins for this for this long oh it's kind of yeah. an, and then and jk especially Ro- with a new franchise technically yeah speaking, and you know? and you know jk Rowling is right there with the writing yes yes all the way jk through. is is all the way through on this one for better or worse <laughs> uh this could definitely be a bad for you yates is of course responsible for that darker feel that later harry potter films do get some criticism for that they lose the magic uh, of what these movies are going for or, or at least originally went for and i feel like every Harry Potter fan, true Harry Potter fan, has a uh, a hot take on J.K. and uh, oh, what? For sure, yeah. So, uh, listen, I'm not getting involved in that. I would not count myself primarily in the fan base, but I think these are are fine movies. I just don't have a lot of nostalgic attachment for them. Uh, this spinoff franchise presents an interesting opportunity, though, for admirers of the series because for the first time we don't have required reading uh, to mm, really I'm- appreciate the film. It's you true, know. it's true. Uh, there is a, a first time we can kind of just uh, enjoy the setting and the and the themes. And, and people here. already know the fantasticalness of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of get that whole thing. We, we're, we've we had seven or well, eight movies <laughs> of, you know, wand carrying mm-hmm. and what comes along with that. Mm-hmm. So we are pretty primed and ready to go. Yeah, Which exactly. is cool as an audience. Exactly. So, and, and that first time discovery of something brand new. It's yeah. not, you know, you don't have someone leaning your and saying, hey, this was not the way it was in the books or right, something, sure, which I yeah. felt plagued that original franchise. <laughs> as, you know? as with any big franchise. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, the first Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them stars Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander, uh, a magical creature researcher that travels to New York to accidentally unleash the magical beasts he studies into the wizarding world. Uh, the movie has an equal focus around this and then also to its detriment, the government agency that enforces magic law in New York uh, to set up greater events in the background story. I'll touch on it a few times, but I think what keeps this this film from being really, really great is it just fundamentally misunderstands what works and what is the better part of this film. The better part mm. of this film being the Fantastic Beasts yeah. and not the messy... Uh, wizard politics and government agencies and and overarching story that will be more and more the through line of what this series focuses on more and more the question of why is it called fantastic beasts at all when we're we're barely focusing on you know what is actually this first movie uh and newt scamander's research into these creatures then right okay i think uh like i said what keeps most of these films afloat uh, except for you know some of the bad ones that, uh, <laughs> or I should say, what maybe even keeps those bad ones from being truly awful, is the world building that J.K. infuses into yeah. the most mundane items. I think, uh, especially with that original franchise, we were constantly in Hogwarts, we were constantly in the magical world, so it doesn't quite hit when we see a floating candle or or a spinning teaspoon on its own. Uh, I think. 
JK and you know and David Yates as a as kind of the visual design of this film does a very good job to illustrate what is magical what is not because we're just as much as in real world 1922 New York right as right. we are in the magical world of it I think there is I, a, I like that I yeah like there's that. a good yeah. visual language uh, between the two uh, which I think again there's so much care put into the magic that that JK has yeah uh, it's it, puts out there they very de- they define the lines very neatly mm-hmm. be- exactly. be- between the two worlds and it's nice to see the difference in there absolutely yeah yeah and, and I think it's a good follow-through for this movie where the theme of all these is very much dealing equally in the magic world and the non-magic world right uh, yeah because it's very focused around uh, wizards being frustrated. That overarching plot is wizards being frustrated with uh, the muggles and the and the the no mages. You know, basically the non magic users uh, and what they have to basically sacrifice to keep them protected, but not get anything in return. Yeah. So the Fantastic Beasts in this film get a lot of love in their design, and really is the best part. Uh, the creatures themselves are the magic here, and uh, it's unfortunate that more and more <laughs> we have these films getting distracted from what clearly is the best part of this. I would say there's a lot of really good-looking CGI here. It was honestly surprising. Was this first one 2016? This is tw- yeah, 2016. 2016. Uh, I I will say I have it noted here. It's a bit of a miss that I think, and this is totally preference, so take it with a grain of salt. But I think it's a it's a bit of a miss when it comes to the potential for practical effects or the mix of practical effects. I think about something like how the Mandalorian uh, introduces practical and CGI effects. And I think ah. there could have been a really great opportunity okay. for puppeteering and practical effects when it comes to these creatures and creature design. Uh, that said, it is by no means bad. The CGI is is great, and I would say these the the, the Fantastic Beasts are definitely the get they get a lot of love into Good. the creative design, and that ties right into See, what I was saying with the world building. That that's JK really does. nice. Speak because how often have we just seen bad CGI creatures? Oh, it's taking sure. you out. The design's not cool, you know. But then once in a while, you'll get. It's it's good that care was taken mm-hmm. into it because again mm-hmm. I, I mean not to jump you know go from Harry Potter to Lord of the Rings but it's what <laughs> was the, you know a saving grace of the hobbits a little bit was how much was taken into the dragon smile sure sure you know what I mean absolutely and when, when you get that little bit of love taken into creatures it's just like it helps you enjoy the movie more mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. time so that's good to see that it was there I mean it's not like the money wasn't there it was certainly there oh yeah absolutely <laughs> for, for the Fantastic Beast absolutely yeah that's yeah. that's good to hear at least yeah uh, I think uh, a main issue I have with this film is around the pacing we are with newt around the creatures and that's when the film is great and i really mean great when he's around Mm. creatures we see it being very light-hearted very filled with wonder we really see newt himself just kind of be an encyclopedic badass just knowing these creatures in and out and we see him empowered as our hero in being in his natural element with dealing with these creatures but constantly we are being pulled away from the namesake of this movie fantastic (laughs) we're being pulled away from the fantastic beasts (laughs) to focus on the magical enforcement of new york which is just tremendously a less interesting (laughs) plot point like i don't don't care. I care about the Fantastic Beast, and I care about how entertaining it is to see Newt 
just know these creatures inside and out and being able to catch them and be able to, to love them as so, well. So that that definitely makes sense. But it's funny hearing it because I haven't watched these. Mm. It's funny hearing it because like, I don't know, I kind of might, I could see how it would be enjoying getting in the weeds and the politicking behind everything. <laughs> right, right. I could see how that could actually be done well and kind of cool because it's like, it immerses yourself in the world a little bit sure, more. Sure, sure. But it just, it wasn't hitting yeah. for you. It really wasn't. I, I, it, it becomes less and less so in both of these sequels. It becomes less and less about the beast. About the Fantastic right. Beast. Almost comedically, like, why is this still called Fantastic Beast? For this first one, if you want that balancing act, I think it's fine. Okay. But I think, again, it, it's a, it's just a just a flaw of the writing to not understand what is, or maybe just the screenplay specifically, to not understand what is the clearly the more entertaining and the more enjoyable part. Yeah, because they're, yeah. the execution of these moments with Newt on screen again, it's just so enjoyable. It just the fact that we pull away from him plainly just fails to understand what is working on screen, uh, and 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 this is like over half of the movie is not about Newt, you know, directly. Oh, and, that's that's not good. Yeah, and you are there to be with him exactly. along the and ride, if only for this first one. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's writing this book. This is before his his first big book that we would know this name in the Harry Potter universe okay. from. You know, I mean, it, it's fun. Make it about the the hardships of writing the book, or I don't know. It, you know, they also a lot of a lot is done to make Newt a a very very particular character. You know, he's very uh, he's very introverted and very socially awkward. So, I don't know. Maybe put some challenge. Maybe the conflict is in the challenges he has to actually write the book itself, not things just happening around him that he kind of the externalities into. of yeah. the world and things around him. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like I said, it, it is a shame because. The creatures are so enjoyable. The moments are so light and wonderful and, and truly magical. And and it's so enjoyable to see Newt empowered in what he does rather when he's put in, especially in the next <laughs> two films, put more and more in clearly his – not his natural element. Yeah. Dealing with people, not dealing with creatures. He's awkward. He's reserved. And, and it, it just doesn't come off enjoyable. Put him in front of what clearly he's the expert for, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, encyclopedic badass is the note. <laughs> as funny <laughs> okay. as that sounds, but he really is. It is badass. Like, he, he has these creatures under lock. Uh, cool. Which is great. Maybe my lack of engagement ties into the performances or the writing of actual human characters, but the fact that the overarching plot of the law and the secret bad guy that we set up in this film is what the film series of Fantastic Beasts decides to be based upon is not a good sign of things to come. This first entry is a decent flick with really good aspects to it, but the main plot just fails to understand what the strength of the movie is. We are going to give Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, a 63. Oh, 63, okay. Wow, I was expecting a stronger performance it's from this really, film. It's, it's really yeah. that distraction. And uh, So do you think if they, so what is it? It's two hours and 12 minutes, so had they spent, so you're saying like half the film is kind of like on oh, this extra stuff. Oh, and, and, and so much so that I can't even call it extra. I would say it is the, the plot that happens around the plot. Ugh. So if you brought that down to like 20% of the film, Sure. You're, you're well in, into the 70s. Absolutely, because clearly there's, there's got to be a drama. There's clearly got to be a tie-in to the characters. New, sure, news. yeah. But it's just like it's it's just mind-boggling to me. You watch this film, and there is just such joy. Where it's good, when, it's good. Yeah, when it's good, it's really good. Yeah. And just the, the fundamental misunderstanding that the film has. Uh, okay. 
So you kind of alluded to the fact of, you know, where you wish you what you were seeing more of, you would think maybe they would catch on for number two, as you were saying, <laughs> know your audience, know what's good and what's not. But here we have, we have two years later, we're in 2018, this is Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Okay. And and how are our characters playing here and where are they set this time? Sure, sure. So this, uh, this film introduces nearly every character of the previous movie, plus more. I have what I think I might have referred to on the podcast before, but What's that? what I like to call as approximate nerd knowledge. Okay. Or... <laughs> yes. I think yeah. you talked about yeah. that with Dune. Yeah. Yes. You, you're well aware enough. You're online enough where you know what the deal is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but I knew that this film was both critically panned and also fan hated as well, which is a, which is a pretty bad mix. Yeah. It didn't do hot with the fans. Yeah. The long and short of it is this has been lauded for a long time as the worst of the Harry Potter films, which is... Uh, in, in a oh, pretty really? wise, pretty otherwise flawless, bulletproof fan- franchise, you know what I mean? I don't. It really was see. getting that much heat, though, oh, yeah. that out of, yeah. well, at I, the time, this would have been film number nine yes, in the yes. world. And they were saying, and people, whew, The worst. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, yeah, it's not good. Um, uh, some of the critique of this film definitely lies into what is done story-wise in that universe. Uh, I, sh- I should say, more specifically, the fan outrage yeah. is around that. I'll be honest, I don't have an appreciation for it, but I unfortunately am also in agreement with the quality of this film. Uh, mm. In Crimes of Grindelwald, we see Newt get entangled with even more law and more political forces, including a young Dumbledore. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pled by, played, pled by, played by Jude Law, uh, and um, I would say nearly every aspect I praised of the last film has been grounded down to a dust uh, instead to tell a <laughs> moody espionage magic adventure that, again, you know... kind of sounds cool. It sounds cool, but, but why yeah, is it you... Fantastic Beasts? I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, yeah, no, of course, for sure. I'll, I'll unveil my, my suggestion, obviously, for the birds. But Fantastic <laughs> Beasts and Where to Find Them was supposed to be this book for Newt Scamander. Fantastic one entry should have just been like a once and done, kind of hop in, hop sure, out. Yeah. And then guess what? You really want to tell this overarching story between Grindelwald and Dumbledore as these main characters that Newt is getting involved in? Guess what? Newt's more of a cameo in a two-parter that deals with this mm. this this mm. relationship that clearly this this film becomes about. Um It is really weird. It's just because you're setting up two main characters, big characters in the yeah. world, and then you kind of sort of just newt in there. Yeah, you just throw them oh, in there. Oh, and then and then sprinkle them in a little more bit. and more. What the the hoops, the hoops, Tom? <laughs> they jump through to get the supporting cast of the first film, <laughs> even non magic people, back uh, into the magic story. It's just like, why is this it's, ever? It's almost like they should have just explored Newt and had it been a great story Absolutely. within the world, and mm-hmm. now we have more stories in the world. I, I would say there's even just such a nice bow on the end of that first film that it was just like oh well yeah we're all wrapped up and this film is undoing all of it to create needless drama to Ugh. create uh stakes that don't that that don't matter and again to the overarching plot Newt really does not matter here so the fact that he's our main character is that's is a shame nonsense yeah it's a really yeah. big shame yeah like I said nearly every aspect is grounded down uh, and I would say this film is just not afraid to result to resort to nostalgia bait for the audience uh, as the story grows larger and larger of course we, we revisit Hogwarts we have Dumbledore we have you know could character be, could be good 
It's Easter egg stuff. And bad Easter I mean? eggs. Yeah. I mean, like you said, well, the, you know. That's that's where I'll, 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 I'll give it a half step because, honestly, I don't have an appreciation for it. You right, know I mean? right. If this sure. was Expanded Universe Star Wars, I could probably call it all out. You yeah. Know? But, <laughs> you know I mean? I don't know all of the things and, more importantly, how to feel about these Easter eggs. Sure. Are they meaningful or are they cash grab? Okay. You know? Yeah, 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 of course. But, boy, do I just want to see some fantastic beasts. But, <laughs> no, no, no. It's a big drought, this Ooh, movie, huh? Yeah, we got to see wizard extremists. <laughs> <laughs> wizard extremists rise to power and and uh you know kind of an allegory for for starting fascism uh of the time period uh and it's just like wow wow it's when are we going to see a creature um <laughs> i think the core problem of this film is the logic of the screenplay uh the deeper we get into these politics and into these societies of wizards I'm not. I'm gonna be 100% honest. The less we see our characters actually acting like wizards, and I think that's a really fundamental problem to the action of this. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not a massive fan, but I think some of the initial appeal of that of the of the first you know the first Harry Potter franchise is that when wizards are fighting, they're using a lot in their arsenal. It's not just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. blasting each other, you know what I mean? there's there there's defensive and counter magic. It's and- actually part of like, what makes it really good like Absolutely. that that was that was the huge draw for some mm-hmm. people was just like delving into the world but just like that knowledge of it's playing chess or playing like magic yeah. the gathering Absolutely. or something like that <laughs> you know Absolutely. what i mean Absolutely. where it's like it's not just nonsense back and forth yes. shooting beams out of yeah. your thing it's like you're exactly right there's defensive and offensive mm-hmm. moves and everything like that there's yeah there's there's much more of a strategy and guess what maybe that's a defining quality of a wizard versus like a knight or like an action yeah figure. you know what i mean well a it was cool be approaching action and yeah, conflict and, differently. Yeah. And growing up with Harry, who gets more knowledgeable, mm-hmm. gets better at that mm-hmm. stuff. With this, what you're saying is it's just like, just generic uh, it, wand battling? Uh, well, it's not even just the wand. That's definitely, that. we'll, we'll get into it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, I, I think, where, again, I'm, I'm describing this more so in the logic of the script. Wizards are not acting like wizards, and I think that's a failure of, of character writing. Mm, absolutely. Uh, scenes are just constantly breaking continuity of the tool belt that every wizard, every adult wizard we're dealing with has. I'll give you an op- I'll give you an example. You know, a group of wizards will be running away from something. This is a franchise where they can teleport literally anywhere. Why would you run away from danger at all? No, yeah. You know, it's just like <laughs> teleport, you're gone. You know, they can't catch you. You know, it's terrible. <laughs> Uh, and, and I would say again, when it comes to the the magic itself, it. It just it looks lame. It does boil down to just that magic bolt casting yeah, and nothing yeah. else. The script, more importantly, uses these logic breaks for convenience and lazy writing. It is just straight up lazy writing. I could be wrong. Like I said, I think the appreciation I have for original stories is that it commits to everyone having magic mm-hmm. and what that truly means. But this film, I mean, it's just like, Character like it would it would be similar to yelling at a hero on uh, in, in a story is saying why aren't you using the sword you have you know what I mean right in front okay. of a dra- why wouldn't yeah. you use a sword there's a scene with flames that are 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 growing you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's one of, it's one of the finales and 
they don't conjure water. They don't conjure rubble to snuff out the flames. They are spanking it with their they're spanking it with magic. It's like what? Not only they're literally spanking it. One spanking is a note for the second yeah. one as well, or the third one. But I'm telling you, I mean, like, does that sound like engaging action? No. Does that sound like our characters are smart? Does that sound like our characters are out of Hogwarts and know all magic as an adult? It's so true. It is so true. It is bad. It's lame. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about um, that plot a bit. Grindelwald is played by Johnny Depp. Uh, and... Um, it's it's an odd one because he gets recast in the next one uh, for this third movie. Mm. Uh, Johnny Depp uh, as Grindelwald is recruiting wizards to his cause again. There is a rising kind of wizard fascism. Um, it's not preachy. If I if I want to give a, um, a slight credit here, even in both of these these this film and the next one, it's not preachy. It's not trying to say like oh we have fascism today or anything like that. It's it's it's, it's different. It it's, really it's, is trying to go for like a of the time nineteen thirties. Right. It's doing know. a good job at being in its era. Yes, exactly. Good. In the in the setting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Good. So I think Johnny Depp is not acting terribly, but there is such a a wild <laughs> characterization to this that it's it just really his cause itself is poorly defined. It's finally fleshed out in in the second one a little bit better because I think they realize like what was actually the cause he was recruiting for besides right, right. just general like wizard fascism. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I would say, especially for him being a political leader that will eventually in the plot run for office he looks nonsensical this is a man that has two different colored eyes yeah, and he looks all- ridiculous <laughs> he looks ridiculous and- super pale right yeah looks like a husky yeah <laughs> a really weird sickly husky you're right uh, sickly really is the word yeah, too. yeah. um and uh, it, it just comes off ridiculous, especially when <laughs> a plot points in this movie, in Crimes of Grindelwald, is is around people being leery of him as a as obviously the very clear villain here. Right, right. And then him convincing him that he's actually about something else through his political beliefs. Well, guess what? He still looks like the most evil man ever <laughs> conceded. Like... <laughs> Nuts. It becomes he dis- comes off ridiculous. Okay. Ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> it comes off unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Newt's plot is not really dealing with Fantastic Beasts. It's dealing with the shadows of his relationship and past. And I can't tell you how much that was pulling teeth because we have that nice bow at the end of the first film completely being undone. This is a child ripping through the the wrapping paper (laughs) of the last film. (laughs) And a huge portion is just spent chasing characters from the last film and all of it can be resolved in like three sentences to each other. But Mm. oh, I guess I don't know how to talk. Oh, when Grindelwald's recruiting people and it's just like, oh... My God, <laughs> just put some cool Pokemon in front of me and have Newt capture them. Like, that's all you that's, need that's all to you're do. Looking for. I know. 
There is one standout uh, scene with a very large creature. This this kind of goes for a quality over quantity approach. That there is one major standout, but again, there's just a just a critical misunderstanding of what works about this franchise. And 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 it's called Fantastic Beasts. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I think on a realistic level, you don't know a, a lick about Harry Potter. You, I think, walking in uh, walking out of this film are wondering why it was called Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why is Newt a part of it? Probably if you just go into the second one and watch it, you're probably going to be thinking. The Fantastic Beasts are Jude Law and <laughs> and uh, Beast Men. and Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Johnny Depp is a, yeah, you know what I mean? a beast. <laughs> uh, but uh, I really don't have much more to say about that um, <laughs> or about this film in general. This film is painfully boring. Each story segment it tries to juggle comes off unearned and totally uninteresting. And all of this movie just seems to be stuck in a slow middle. It's like this movie is trying to set up the next movie. And I can tell you folks at home, I watched the next movie, and the next movie is more set up. So it's like, what did we set up? <laughs> uh, it's 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 real bad. Uh, it's 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 not good. And we're gonna go ahead and give Fantastic Beasts: Crime of Grindelwald a thirty-nine. Ooh, a thirty-nine. Yeah. I'm I was almost writing a four just because I would assume <laughs> the forties, but no, it it deserves to be in the thirties still, huh? Yeah, 39, that's a bad score. It, it is. It's a bad score. It's a bad movie. It's um. Yeah, it just it just yeah. lacks joy in a lot of aspects, and uh, where previously the beast segments were kind of a jaws of life to kind of infuse joy into pretty much the same plot. You sure, know, we have the same tone behind the plot as the as the first one with those politics and law. But um, man, it just again, <laughs> it's just less and less fantastic beasts. Okay, so let's keep. Okay, so that was 2018. We're jumping in 2022 now. Are they learning from their mistakes? That's what I really want to know. Are they learning from their mistakes and going for gold and what's good? This is Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Yes. yes. So just right in the title, we just had Grindelwald, and now I'm assuming it's a big focus on Dumbledore. Yeah, right. <laughs> I right. can only assume. So, <laughs> yeah, right, right. You, you'd think. Yeah. You'd think. <laughs> you'd think you, you wouldn't even Fantastic Beasts at all, but still, that's that's first in the title. <laughs> um, so this, again, I'm going to lean on approximate nerd knowledge, A&K. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll refer to it as. So this whole Grindelwald plot plot line is supposed to be leading up to a big duel between him and Dumbledore. Um, okay. The two best wizards on the block. Uh, they are also both lovers. Uh, a huge plot point is what? in the... Yeah, yeah. In the in the homosexual relationship between Dumbledore and Grindelwald, which was not really shown, but I guess it was known in the books that Dumbledore was gay. Um, I don't really have a problem with yeah, it. Yeah, I do remember that being talked about even in time mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Yeah. If it's anything, not, it's not like a spoiler or anything. No, no, no. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to walk in on Dumbledore. <laughs> uh, I think it's actually one of the stronger things it does. Once again, you know, if, if this film just committed to just one thing and maybe just lost some of the baggage of Fantastic Beasts, I think it would be a lot better. Because um, it would be its own entity. Exactly. Its own product. I mean, really what this would be, it would be an origin story of 
Dumbledore, who, exactly. in, who were introduced in Harry Potter as quite an elderly figure. Yeah, we almost have a, a, a if again, I'm not a studio exec, but uh, if, if I had my way, Crimes of Grindelwald would almost be like an Infinity War that we focus just on Grindelwald, we focus just on the bad guy, and then guess what? The, the follow-up is now the good side of that. You right, know what I mean? Right, we have right, both right. sides, uh, and, and the type of build-up that would bring. I wouldn't include anything with Fantastic Beasts, and... Neither did they. Yeah, neither did they. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, I want to focus on this. So again, this this promise of the greatest duel of all time yeah. in, in Harry Potter's mythos between scorned lovers who now are tragically pit against each other. That is the goal of this film. Does it succeed on this? No, oh, boy. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, so it misses on the beast, and it misses on this huge promise. It misses on the whole point of creating <laughs> this like greater backstory right, around yeah. Grindelwald. I-, I would say, you know, there is a significant reason why these movies are are a part of the Wizarding World at the time. I think for maybe the book fans, there's a lot more appreciation to the setting and the world building because. Again, whether it's something so shallow as Easter eggs or calling back to this legendary duel that they were supposed to have at some point, mm-hmm. guess what? There's some enjoyment. There's some anticipation to that. and It's cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and Newt is nowhere <laughs> a part of that anticipation. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's unreal. Um, I would say I, I strongly believe, like I said, these, these last two films – they just should have been their own thing. Um, even if you don't, you don't take that kind of two sides of the coin. Uh, Infinity War example, just just some sort of establishment of this is a story about Dumbledore and Grindelwald, and mm-hmm. and, and and really it just has nothing to do with Newt. The big lead up to this conflict is only one tiny bit, though, as uh, it focuses on the spy operations of Dumbledore's squad. Uh, kind of a secret army of Dumbledore, if you will. Newt, his brother, uh, and even the muggle Jacob Kowalski, which uh, has been a character throughout all these, are all drafted into a plot they have no right being in. (laughs) As far as I can tell, this grand plan as well that Dumbledore is hatching makes not a lick of sense, and it's a really big problem that I have with this film. Unfortunately, I can't dissect this too much because it is a brand new film yeah yeah and i don't want to lean into the into spoiler territory but understand that the the principle of wizards not acting like wizards and how that affects plot and how that affects logic in the screenplay kind of reaches a critical point here because we have the greatest wizard possibly of all time acting not like a wizard and it really takes me out of the film like entirely it's completely jarring and and that would just throw you off completely exactly if we're not seeing Dumbledore being the hottest shit on the block you know uh, why are we there you know yeah it's really strange really strange yeah uh, also, this film is burdened <laughs> with catching the audience up uh, and putting our characters back in the story that has, again, just jack to do about them. Exposition flies at a mile a minute in this first hmm. act. We are given a rap sheet of what the last two films were and why the characters are where they are and why they would have opposition to being a part of the magical world again in this this overarching story. It it's very manipulative because guess what? 
they're going to be put in the story. Right, right. Uh, and secondly, as well, I think it really fails as what exposition is supposed to be. I don't think this catches people up that have not seen the first two films. Because, again, it goes at a mile a minute. Okay, and at that point, you're sitting there watching it, and your time is being wasted. Exactly. Yes. I, now, now it's punishing the fans. Right, you know I mean? right, yeah, like, no. It's, it's, it's real bad. And, again, this is where, I mean, you can say, especially among screenwriting, like, exposition is, is kind of a, a dirty word. You don't want to just be giving, lo- you know, dialogue and, and loads and loads of backstory or anything like that. I think this is a, an example of where I personally have a problem with exposition because, again, it is wasting time. Uh, yeah, know? yeah, no, of course, uh, absolutely. So, a positive swap here is Johnny Depp for Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, I am a big fan of Mads Mikkelsen. Sure. Uh, Go ahead. No, no, I'm a fan, <laughs> fan of him too. I mean, right. in multiple things, that's that's fine. But you're also you're swapping out a character. You know, you kept Jude Law, oh, for and sure. it's just like visually and as far as storytelling goes, it's like you know. It's a visual story that you're giving us, and it's mm-hmm. just very weird to be swapping this out. Because correct me if I'm wrong, the character complete, looks completely different. Like, no paleness. Oh, completely no, different. You know what I mean? It's just like, and it's supposed to be the same guy. Mm, true. But it, it's still, you say, good swap. Uh, I think it's a good swap because it's for the better. We exchange a cartoonish villain for someone that is actually believable that would be coming to like a political power and, right, okay. and a very charismatic leader, almost a dangerous charisma to him. Were you saying um, it was just like, were you having to tell yourself that this is the same guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or did, did he feel, you know... Did he do a good a good job of being Grindelwald? So it's like, all right, this is Grindelwald. Yeah, I I liked him better than Johnny Depp. So I think overall, it's a pass for me. You okay, know, it's right. a welcome thing. But no, I think you you bring up a good point that like that is jarring. You know, it's it's, it's just visual continuity. Is yeah, what we're, you know what I mean. I mean, he doesn't even have be... two different color eyes or all the white white hair. Well, you the know? annoying thing was, you know, if J.K. Rowling, if if you see what's coming down the pike for so long, mm-hmm. and this is your baby, it's just like. Get these actors and get the look down pat the first time. Because if you know you're returning to this Mm -hmm. and returning to this character, make sure Johnny Depp is good for the part. Yep. And that you can get him... I mean, who was it a contract issue or was it like no, no, no? We got to scrap this. Uh, I, I don't you know. know. I mean? I'm not sure. But I, the point is, is have your shit together. Absolutely. If you know you're going to be returning these characters, because that that for me would really it would irk me. Yeah. That's good that it. I mean, it's good that it was a good move and a step in the right direction. Right. As you said, executed. Because you said, well. hey, it's better. Yes. But still, for me, it would really, it would actually be annoying because yeah. we're talking about big money, a big franchise here. Mm-hmm. Get it together. Mm-hmm. And maybe the half step is, hey, you know, this is a world where people can assume different identities visually with magic. Maybe have Johnny Depp in for five minutes, and then he's like, "Oh, I need to look a little bit more normal for the election season." Oh, like, that, <laughs> you know. Or if you're swapping out Johnny Depp, swap out Jude Law. Uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, that that's also a very good point. You know, how do we can can we just have follow through through both? Yeah, it, it's just something that I know would get under my skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, for uh, regardless of the of the um, the kind of the the gut punch uh, of the of the casting swap is Mads works a lot better. Uh, his his charisma. On screen is much more villainous. He's not just yeah. like this clearly like a an evil madman, you know that Johnny Depp's design Doesn't look like was like Jack Frost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is jarring. Uh, and I think um, he, it just works so much better for what is needed out of the 
the toned back villainy uh, of or the, the toned back evil that this film is trying to communicate through its political plot. You know, if anything, Mads might be the or Grindelwald in this film is is probably some of the best aspects of the movie because of the the moments they they create for him. However, that I think is is an important follow through because that's where the real transfixing, the real bewitching that can happen in people getting you know drummed up and wrapped up mm-hmm. into the politics that he he is talking about the, uh, the the true fascism by this point because he's talking about like a genocide. Okay. Um. So wh- it's just a shame that I think in the last film, if I remember correctly, there was even exposition of why Johnny Depp's character looked that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then we follow the, then we throw it all out, you know. We just jump through the hoops for nothing, and and I think that's where you hit perfectly, Tom. Like, this is your own franchise. Mm-hmm. Have foresight to plan it out properly, especially you know? when it's something like this. Yeah, they had to see three in the in the making. Oh, they, right for sure. Two, two didn't button it up completely. Yeah, yeah. Because um, again, <laughs> that first one, it still kind of lays the foundation for the whole through line. Right, you right. Know? But yeah, this story is about politics and anger, and uh, let's talk about that for a moment. J.K. writing the political structure of the Wizarding World clearly shows a weak spot in an author that writes a children novel. <laughs> the the building election that is the backbone of this plot is seemingly structureless at the beginning. I don't know how these okay. guys are going to get elected. I'm really not sure at, at the actual rules of how you got elected in the Wizarding World. Until there is a plot point (laughs) involving Newt Scamander that he finds a legendary deer, magical deer, that bows to royalty. So guess what? Oh, we found these deers. That's how we're deciding this election, baby. Like, it's it's childish. Was that part of the Fantastic Beasts? (laughs) No. Oh, it wasn't. I, oh, mean, that that, wasn't. I mean, what do you mean? That that is. The, well, is that the Fantastic Beast of the movie? That is the one Fantastic. Okay. Beast. Okay. Yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah. Louise. Yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, man, it just it just shows that there is a strong suit <laughs> with J.K. You know, I'm I, I don't even have a, an axe to grind with her. Uh, uh, there's a strong suit of where she can write, uh, and there's no problem in understanding what that what your strengths are. If anything, a responsibility of a writer uh-huh. uh, to to understand you know where they can where they can outsource, where they can where they can fill the gaps. Uh, but when it comes to this uh, this political structure, this deep type of election type of um, <laughs> treachery is not a highlight of of her children if you want novels. that to be the sto- <laughs> no and if you want it to be a side story because you want the history of these mm-hmm. characters then mm-hmm. like make them their own thing yeah absolutely like if the beasts are that cool in that first film like you yeah, said absolutely make three films regarding that somehow sure. and newt yeah. The weird thing is, is he's is it's just sound. It sounds like again, I didn't see it. It sounds like he's taking a less and less role in these films. Uh, it, like, how much is Jude Law in this compared to Newt? Uh, uh, actually, not much. Newt is forced into the these this this film by just because he's Newt, okay. basically. You know, <laughs> okay, I mean, just okay. because we have to make this about him because the the other movies were about right, him, right, okay. You know? 
I would say this movie is now exactly like 4% Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> <laughs> like 4%. Fantastic Beasts, the ones that never were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I would say part of the why this is so infuriating, you know, this arc I've had with these films, <laughs> is that part of the hoop jumping in this film, part of the, you know, the rigmarole of, of what they're going through, uh, is stripping away the creatures from Newt's arsenal. Like, the one thing he is good at mm -hmm. is taken away from him in the first act of this film. And the single enjoyment to any of these films, guess what, now has a... is now unequipped from Newt in his arsenal, in his problem-solving as a character, mm -hmm. in his problem-solving as a wizard. And... All of it, again, it relates to a nonsense plot around Dumbledore's plan, which just does not make a lick of sense. Uh, it really doesn't. It's a shame. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I mean, J.K. is writing this. No one's twisting her arm to write it. You know I mean, she, right, yeah. she wants to expand this universe. You'd think there would be care to using your characters creatively, maybe an excitement as an author uh, or a writer. Well, the, and, and not only do you have J.K. on this one, you have um, you have Steve Cloves, mm -hmm. which Steve Cloves is the writer who also helped with, the, with all of the Harry Potter movies uh, as well. There you go. There you go. So it's just yeah. like, it should be like... The team, I know. you know, the team. I know it's it's so it's so wild. This film has very boring colors, very boring magic. We see no creativity beyond the typical magic bolts or throwing rubble or patented wand spank <laughs> <laughs> uh, that uh, we saw in the last one. The uh, the wizards again. Characters are just not acting like wizards throughout this entire movie and. Guess what? By this time, we are dealing with the upper echelon of all of the wizarding world. Yeah. Of all. These are the big boys. Mm -hmm. These are these are not only Dumbledore and Grind Grindelwald, but like the leadership of that runs the election right. of, okay. of wizards. You don't think these wizards would be hot shit? You don't think they would have yeah, an arsenal of creative magic to diffuse and 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 be magical with? Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it's it's just there is no creativity here there is just it is just lazy boring action it is just casting bolts at each other it is wand spank <laughs> <laughs> and, and and i really do think it really creates just a, a critical failure to uh, to how action is presented in this uh, bottom line like if the action is not even good yeah. if the action is not even sparking the imagination a bit what is the point? What, what is the point of me watching these? You no, know? absolutely. Yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the franchise, but I'm pretty sure when we saw old Dumbledore actually participate in a fight in the original series, he was using his full arsenal. It was electric. Defensive. And it was, yeah. yeah. I forget what one. It's either Order of the Phoenix or or the one before it. I don't know. Yeah. 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 You know. <laughs> <laughs> Tom and I roll, rolling eyes over here. <laughs> Which is, you know, I mean, it's 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 also your who's cup of tea, you know. I mean, people could do the same thing yeah, with Star Wars. No, no, and no. Star but Trek. but the point is, like, there were moments in the in those Harry Potter films where it's mm -hmm. just like, this is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, this is this, this is, is like give me amazing some, wizards. Yes, you know? exactly, yeah. exactly right. Uh, and uh, there's just no use of that, and 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 
uh, believe me, I'm not saying I'm a screenwriter or want to be a screenwriter, but I just feel like why wouldn't you want to use the smorgasbord, the entire arsenal of what a wizard could do and, and deep cut, you know, yes, spells absolutely. and like, hey, got ya, you know, or counter yeah. spell, you know what I mean? I don't know. So <laughs> instead, this movie fails in every way and really in every way that its disastrous prequel did. The lack of creativity, the lack of logic, and the complete lack of understanding of what works in this film, primarily. Uh, Nearly being its namesake, <laughs> we will go ahead and give Fantastic Beasts The Secrets of Dumbledore a matching 39. Get out of here. A match. It is just as bad. They're that bad. They, 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 are, they, they need to go in the grave together. Really? They're that <laughs> yeah, bad? They're that bad. You know, 39 is not a good score. I know. And I, it's not a good score. I was walking into this and I was like, all right, it can no way be better, uh, worse than Grindelwald. It can no way be worse yeah. than the second one. And it honestly, it just, it just, repeated. it's just more the same. It, oh it my just, god, that's so upsetting. Because again, thirty nine is not a good score. Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, the first one with the sixty three, it's like, all right, mm-hmm. you know, there's something there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can boy. return just to that, that, that promise of a big duel at the end, I, I mean, underwhelming. underwhelming. Oh my gosh. So what, what are we here for? Why right. did we yeah. set up this whole spinoff for? Such a shame. Mm. Such a shame. Wow. Really Fair. shame. Okay, not good with a thirty nine, but, 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 all right. <laughs> Okay, Vin. So, uh, with this week, is there anything else you'd like to add, or are we going to roll credits on this week, Ooh, on this fantastic had, week we have? <laughs> We've had two weeks back to back that nothing is cracked above sixty-five. So that's so true. I'm real. As, I mean, you know, like I said with with last week's episode, there was there's an odd enjoyment in watching the very lows. Mm-hmm, yeah. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of enjoyment with watching just this kind of. These were more, middle of the road. Yeah, and that, that, which sometimes can be really rough. Yeah, that that's honestly the worst. But I'm excited to kind of snap back to what I truly want to watch. And there's some exciting stuff coming out in theaters yeah. as well. No, there so. is. Uh, and I, personally, as I, it's just, I love that the past 10 <laughs> movies we reviewed, only two were above 50. Filling out the lows. I love filling out the lows. Yes, sir. <laughs> but uh, no, Vin, we thank you so much for go ahead and taking our time. And, and given that, that look into the Sonic world and the Fantastic Beast world, we appreciate that. For folks at home, we're just going to run it through one more time. We have Sonic the Hedgehog with a 40%. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 with a 59. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them with a 63. Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald with a 39. And Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore with a 39%. We thank you so much, folks, for listening. And we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth the watch or just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. You'll get a producer mention on the next podcast episode, too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Mm